Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from among your own people. You shall heed such a prophet. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning, and God bless you all. I hope you're doing well. It's been a while since I've been up here in the pulpit, and it's nice to be back. And this morning, I want to do something a little bit different from what we normally do, and that's talk about our Old Testament lesson. And in particular, I want to talk about prophets. Now, how many of you give daily thought to the role of a prophet? Any of you? One. Thank you, Peggy. You and I will be friends. <laughs> yeah. Anybody ever applied to be a prophet? No, we're taking applications now, right? Now, we don't think about these type of things because we don't see them much in our own society, but in ancient Israel, prophets were integral to their society and their government, right? So just as we rely heavily on our three branches, the executive branch, the legislative, and the judicial, they relied on kings and judges and priests and prophets to help organize their structure, both politically, religiously, socially, and otherwise. But what do prophets do? Has anybody given thought to this before? I know many people think that all prophets do is predict the future. Anybody ever think that? Yeah, okay, a couple of hands, um, including my wife. That, that's not good. We, we need to talk. <laughs> Right? So although predicting the future was part of their job on occasion, prophets weren't as much into foretelling as what some scholars have said is more forth-telling. They would tell forth the Word of God. Hence the refrain is often, and as you go through the, the, books, the prophetic books of the Bible, you'll see, thus saith the Lord all over the place. You ever seen that before? All right, we're getting more hands. I like this. This is good. All right. So many times the prophets would also perform signs and wonders either to prove that God was on their side or to show what God was about to do and illustrate what was happening. So to kind of illustrate this a little bit, when I worked at Catholic University, I was the program manager for academic coaching and assessment, trying to keep students from failing out of school. My boss would oftentimes have meetings with the provost or other high-up muckety-mucks and then come back to the staff and say, the provost would like us to focus more on this. The, focus, the provost is prioritizing these areas, so we might want to think about investing more in our tutors. Um, or the provost is going to cut funding on some things, so we need to pivot. And so although my boss didn't perform any miraculous signs and wonders, although that would have been really cool, a lot of what he did was really, thus saith the provost. Right? Does that make sense? And that was more or less the role of a, a, a prophet there. Now, as we look at the Old Testament, who is the greatest of all the prophets? I heard, and it's not that. Moses. Thank you, Peter, who's already heard my sermon once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, the answer is Moses. There were lots of prophets. There was Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos, and many others, but Moses was the big one. And if we look at his life, we can see why he was such an amazing prophet and has been revered by so many people, right? Folks that aren't Jewish or Christian or anything, they know Moses. They've seen Charlton Heston or, 
right? Or they've watched The Prince of Egypt, the animated version of this. But if we look at his life, we see several things. One, he had a closer relationship with God than anybody else in the Old Testament. He goes up a mountain, stands in God's presence, and hears God's audible voice. The rest of the people, if you look at Deuteronomy, they didn't even want to do it. That's scary. You go, Moses, we'll stay here. Moses was even allowed to see God's back. Anybody ever seen God's back? I haven't, right? I mean, that's crazy. And he comes down out of the mountain with his face glowing bright with the glory of God. Nobody else had a relationship as close to God as Moses did. And so when he comes to God and is given God's word, he does it faithfully. He brings down God's own law, the Ten Commandments written with the very finger of God himself. And as the people journeyed through the desert for 40 long years, Moses constantly relays God's plans, his purposes, what they should do, what they should not do, what they should stop doing, what they should start doing, and so on. And finally, Moses perfectly performs signs and wonders. Again, people know this, the ten plagues against Egypt. He leads the people through the Red Sea on dry ground and he even brings out water from a rock. These are fabulous signs that provide for his people and deliver them out of the hand of Egypt. And then as we turn in our specific text in Deuteronomy, the context is the people are just about to enter into the promised land. It's been 40 long years, they're finally there, but Moses is about to die. He knows it, they probably know it, and so Moses gives them a promise. God himself is going to raise up another prophet just like me. He's not leaving you alone. He'll be with you. But when that prophet speaks, you need to heed that prophet. Do what the prophet says, not your own thing. And although there were many other prophets, like I mentioned, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos, and so on, the end of Deuteronomy tells us that there was never another prophet quite like Moses, until, until Jesus, over a thousand years later, Jesus shows up on the scene, and Jesus is that prophet like Moses that had been promised hundreds of years before. And yet, and yet something doesn't sound quite right about that. You see, Jesus isn't a prophet just like Moses. He's a prophet far better than Moses. He outshines Moses in every possible way. Have you ever heard that song, anything you can do, I can do better, right? What I want to argue is that anything Moses could do, Jesus does better, and that will be stuck with you far longer than it should be. Yes, Moses was close to God. He heard God's voice. He got to stand in God's presence. But Jesus is the second person of the Holy Trinity. He is God's one and only most beloved son. You don't get much closer to God than that. Yes, Moses spoke the word of God, but Jesus is the word of God. From the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
That's why the people in our gospel reading are so amazed at Jesus' teaching, because he's not speaking to them about the Word of God. He is speaking to them as the Word of God, and that has power. So yes, Moses performed great signs and wonders. The ten plagues, crossing of the Red Sea, water from a rock, those are pretty cool. Wish I could do some of those. I have people I'd use the plagues against, right? But Jesus' miracles, they don't just bring deliverance, they bring compassion, healing, and even life itself. We see that in our gospel again, in saving the demon-possessed man by setting him free. We see God's and Christ's compassion, healing, and life when He heals the blind, the lame, and lepers. When He forgives the sin of the paralyzed man who was lowered out from the roof so that Jesus could touch him. We see this when Jesus feeds the 5,000 men plus women and children with only five loaves and two small fish. And we see how Christ's miracles are focused on life and healing when he even raises a little girl or his good friend Lazarus from the dead. And yes, Moses delivered people out of the hand of tyrannical Pharaoh, led them into the promised land. But Jesus does more. He doesn't just deliver us out of the hand of a tyrant. He delivers us out of the powers of sin and death. Through His death and resurrection, He has washed us clean from our sin, and He has destroyed the power of death forever. And so now our sin can't condemn us, and our grave can't hold us. Because Jesus leads us not to a beautiful country in the Middle East, but to His perfect and eternal heavenly home, where there is no more sin, there is no more sadness, There is no more pain, suffering, or even death. All that awaits us there is perfect joy, perfect peace, perfect rest, and perfect love in God's very own presence where we will stand closer to Him than even Moses ever did. Moses may have been the Savior of Israel, but Jesus is the Savior of the world. Told you He was better. This Jesus guy is pretty great. Now, some of you might be sitting there saying, well, that's some great history and some deep theology there, Father BJ, but what does this have to do with me and my life? Well, I'm glad you asked, which maybe somebody did, who knows. Right, this affects our life in the here and now because as Deuteronomy says, now that Jesus, this great prophet who's even greater than Moses, now that he has come, we need to heed his words. Not just hear them, but do them. And not only because the text frighteningly says that God will hold us accountable if we don't. That's certainly true, and honestly, we need that kind of negative reinforcement every once in a while, right? Right? Knowing that I might get fired is sometimes the only motivation I have to go to work. Anybody ever feel like that? Now, I, I, I mean with a former job, not, not this one. <laughs> Don't get me in trouble with Jamie. I'm happy here. <laughs> right? But it's not just that. It's we should heed Jesus' words, honestly, because of how great Jesus is. And this makes sense. 
right? When you reflect on how much Jesus has done for you, how deeply He loves you, how marvelous He is, don't you want to do what He says? Right? I want to do what Father Jamie asks me to do, not just because my job is on the line, but because I trust Him. I know He cares about me and my well-being. I know He cares about this church. He loves all of you. And so I want to do what He says. I want to follow His lead. And when I reflect on Christ's great love for me, all that He's done, I want to follow His lead too because I know He loves me and cares for the people around me. But how do we heed His words? Honestly, by focusing on the two great commandments. Love God, love neighbor. Love God, love neighbor. We heed Christ's words whenever we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. When we show acts of pious devotion like praying, fasting, reading Scripture, you need a place to start, start with the book of Mark. It's short. If you read it one chapter a day, in less than two weeks you'll be done. Just over two weeks, excuse me. It's not that long. You show acts of piety like tithing, partaking of Holy Communion, gathering together in worship. And we also show our love to God by living holy lives, turning away from what the Scriptures tell us is sin and wrong and harmful, and dedicating ourselves to righteousness, chastity, goodness, obedience, not just hearing the Word, but doing it. And we heed Christ's words whenever we love our neighbors as ourselves, by humbly and compassionately putting the needs of someone else above my own, by welcoming all people and showing hospitality, and especially towards those who nobody else will, and by giving generously to help and to serve the poor, the needy, the outcast, the oppressed, and the lonely. These things are not easy. This demands a lot from us. It demands our whole life. But isn't that what Christ has given us, His whole life? It's not easy, but this is what Jesus, our awesome, loving, perfect, excellent prophet, calls us to do. My dear friends, to sum up here, our Lord Jesus Christ is the prophet greater than Moses. He is the Son of God. He is the Word made flesh. He is the powerful and compassionate miracle worker. He is our Savior from the powers of sin and death, and He is the one who will lead us to our perfect, eternal, heavenly home. His great love for us knows no bounds, and so neither should our obedience. As that great hymn says, love so amazing so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Amen.